Hey, this is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, a podcast where we're in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be. Our goal with The Uncommon Truth is to talk about Christianity in an authentic way and really drill down to see what did Jesus want his church to be, especially here in North America. I think a lot of us here in North America have felt at one time or another that the church or Christianity is missing something. It's not as fruitful in our lives as we're led to believe in Scripture. It's not having the impact on those around us that, that we think it should have. And, and we really are asking ourselves, why is that? I decided to call the show The Uncommon Truth because some of the questions we ask and the answers that we get from those discussions about the church aren't really readily available anywhere else or really many places. It's truth because it's based on a just a critical reading of the New Testament especially. And unfortunately, it seems to be uncommon because there's not a whole lot of other people doing or saying the things that are said and done here. Today on the show, we're going to be hearing from a friend of mine, Nolan Zink, who has really an incredible story. Nolan is a husband and a dad, but he's also a pastor, which is really surprising when he tells us his story. Nolan joins the show today to talk about how he was saved from a life of shame and addiction to become the man he is today. He's going to share with us what made all the difference in the world, which was accountability and discipleship. Now, both of those words are pretty misunderstood in North American Christianity, but he's going to join the show to set us straight a little bit. Stick around for the end of the episode, and you'll get all the information you need to hear Nolan speak at the men's conference, Jesus Man. And I'll also tell you about how you can get in contact with us here at The Uncommon Truth, so stick around for that. And now let's get to Nolan here on The Uncommon Truth. All right, welcome back to The Uncommon Truth. I'm sitting down with my friend and fellow mountain bike enthusiast, uh, Nolan Zink. And uh, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about him before I, I welcome him in. So Nolan's a husband. He's actually Ildico's husband. Ildico, if you listen to the show, was on last week talking about finding comfort in Jesus. And I listened back to that episode. And yeah, it was a really, really good show. But So now we're, we're welcoming Ildico's husband, Nolan. And uh, Nolan's the dad of Remy, who's like five months old five months nice yeah so we got daughters about the same age a month apart also a pastor at the father's house church i bet you had never thought that was going to be attached to your name yeah never ever yep and uh you got a really sweet mountain bike he's showing me the trails around orville which is become a new renewed passion for me i haven't died yet i hit one soft tree but that's about it and uh does a lot of work around here making the father's house and and the guys around here shine so welcome to the show nolan yeah thanks for having me appreciate it so we we wanted to have you out because you're going to be one of our or marquee speakers at our men's conference coming up here jesus man conference march 24th through 26th i think and you'll have to listen to the end of the show i'll get you all the details for that but um You've got a lot of stuff in your in your mind and and a lot of experiences that are really good to share with with guys and I think I think ladies listening too will get a lot of good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, it's it's stuff that well, it's uncommon truth, right? Things that you don't yeah. hear anywhere else. So tell me a little bit about 
how you how you became or how you came to the father's house and and a little bit of your story wow okay so i actually uh came to the father's house through the court system um as a uh felon and um was in jail yeah um i had been uh i'd say at that point that was 2006 um at that point i had been about seven years into a pretty heavy addiction mm. uh of anything anything I could get my hands on in the street yeah. and uh, I was in and out of jail um I was actually um at that at that during that year um in the court I was facing some pretty serious time mm-hmm. um they were talking about sending me to state prison they were just they were tired of seeing me in there yeah for and a lot of it was little petty charges the your common charges for any kind of any addict on the street and um um i finally got um a message through with my with my public defender and the judge um that i had never really i i didn't know how to ask for help yeah you know and i really wanted help i i was really honest with him and just told him look you know it's like i understand that i'm facing time and mm-hmm. But the minute I get out, I'm I know where I'll be right back on the streets. Yeah, and I said, and I, I would like the chance to get some help. And I was granted a, a program through the state um, at the time called Drug Court, and Drug Court required me to find a place to stay, mm-hmm. a clean, sober living environment. My actual. Um, required time was only 90 days i had to find a place to live for 90 days and wow the only place that came and interviewed me after sending out several letters and you know even verbal messages um through people was the father's house and And you're from this area sort of like this area of the world right yeah i've been in northern california my whole life all right yeah almost 40 years now that's crazy yeah so i'll just explain before we keep going with your story so Nolan's a guy that I look up to a lot, not only because he uh, he's a lot faster on a mountain bike than I am, um, but you're a dude that I think I was thinking before you came in uh, about a quote by Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, he said, "Speak softly and carry a big stick," and uh, I think that 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 just seems like you, right? Like you you're you're not a man of a whole lot of words and. Uh, but your actions are, are really impressive and, and, um, it's cool. Like I haven't sat down and listened to your story and, and just hearing that little brief bit, it's like, wow, that, that's, that's totally not the guy sitting across from me, (laughs) you know? Um, so, so keep going. You came into the father's house. You started, uh, it's life recovery ministry, right? Yeah. Life recovery ministry is December of, uh, 2006. Wow. And, um, I didn't really know, what I, what I was getting into at all. Um, during the interview process when I was still in jail, you know, I, I, I knew that it was a a church that Mm -hmm. the program ran, you know, was run by a church or through a church. And, um, I had no idea anything about church, um, at all. You know, my life growing up was, we sometimes went to midnight mass on Christmas. Yeah. And that was about it. Or, you know, if I stayed the night at a buddy's house whose parents went to church, I would go with them, you know, on Sunday. Um, And so I didn't really know what to expect. And um, 
I I'd be honest with you, I didn't want really anything to do with church. I definitely mm-hmm. wanted I I definitely wanted help. Yeah. I definitely wanted to stop living like I was living. Um I was uh getting ready to basically d- die on mm-hmm. the streets. So the only thing that saved me for years was actually being arrested and yeah. then being able to sober up in jail and actually get some kind of freedom clean time under my belt, but I'd always return right back. Um, just to repeat and I was sick of it, you know, and I, uh, I broke a lot of hearts in the process Yeah, and I had a very, very small family who watched me go through it all. And, and I was just, I was done. And this was, this was my one chance at recovery. Yeah. So, so now skip ahead and you're years later, you're a pastor and you, you never thought you'd be a pastor. You didn't even know what a pastor was, I bet. No, I didn't. Uh, my, my idea of a pastor was, was obviously pastor Steve. Okay. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. um, I had no idea what actually went into it. I thought pastor was just the, the guy who, who, um, spoke at the church, you know, mm-hmm. on Sundays and Wednesdays. And I had really no idea what went into it, but, um, I never, it was never a dream of mine or a goal of mine. It just, it was something that, uh, just developed over years where even, even when we were given the chance for ordination as pastors, I, when I was proposed with the question, Hey, you know, do you want to be ordained? I I had no idea what that even meant. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, so when you first, when you first became a Christian, did you, did you become a Christian in LRM or was it a little bit later? I would say, I became aware of what a Christian was in LRM. Okay. Okay. I did not become a Christian um, how I would define it today. Yeah. And back at that time, what did you what did you conceptualize of as like a relationship with God? What what did you think of that? Well, my in my very narrow vision, I pictured a definitely clean living life. You know, mm-hmm. it was definitely a drug free life, which was had consumed me for so many years that that was like my biggest freedom. Yeah. I knew that, that Jesus offered freedom, but I also knew that it was, I understood enough that it was a two way relationship. And so my dream Christianity would be to, uh, build a cabin out in the woods Yeah, and have, have a Bible that I could read easily and just live out in the woods and be a mountain man. And and hunt and fish and you could rock that beard pretty well. Yeah, you yeah. could. That thing would never stop growing. Yeah, and that that was that was my uh, very narrow vision of the, the Christian man that I wanted to be, and it it excluded um, everybody except myself and Jesus, mm-hmm. and and probably a dog. You know? Yeah, I'd have a dog for sure. Yeah. So. And and so. There was no role for there's no role for a church, uh, really. There was no role for other believers in your life in that vision. No, no, not really. I I had a very uh, also narrow view of the church too. It was that I had I had sheltered myself away from people, uh, especially during my addiction. Um, but growing up as a quiet kid and yeah. And, um, I just, even be, even being just a quiet kid and then, and then being an addict on top of that, I really, I almost grew a fear of people. Mm-hmm. And so the church, the community, the public gather 
were, were things that almost sent uh, chills up my spine. Oh, yeah. So I bet there's there's a bunch of introverts that are like that too, right? Yeah. It's like you see memes every once in a while where where people are hanging from the ceiling during uh, greeting time at the oh, church. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. Hug, like, hug your neighbor and... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah. Right? Um, but I think when you're talking, I, as a guy, I... I sort of have that same like, oh man, wouldn't it be cool to just be by myself in the mountains somewhere? I'm a Colorado guy. I love the mountains. Yeah. And, or, you know, I ran a camp in the middle of nowhere in Canada for a while and it wasn't quite by yourself, but it was, it wasn't exactly established church, you know, religion anyway. And so what do you think? You think a lot of guys are, are like that where it's just like, oh, I got, I got this on my own. Just me, just me and Jesus. Uh, yeah, I, actually I do. I think that the, even for, even for, uh, guys that are really comfortable around crowds, I think that we will often as men, um, and I'm sure women too, but I can only speak from a man's point of view. We will move into the, uh, lone wolf mentality yeah. of, I got this, you know, I can, um, I can form this on my own. I can be Christian on my own. Yeah. I don't need the the other men. I don't need the church so much, you know. Yeah. So and and as you read as you read Jesus, what's the problem? Like do you see a problem with that in in what you read like or or maybe what was it that changed your mind? Well, it was it was definitely um the we have the message around here is is the follow Jesus and mm-hmm. Um, there's not one time where I was reading where Jesus ever excluded anyone. Yeah. He would stop for anyone and he, and people were always a part of his life and it was, it would be really hard to ignore what I was reading. Mm -hmm. And it, um, again, again, realizing that I knew that there were some things that I had to face, um, when it came to Christianity and things that I really wasn't really ready or willing to yeah so yeah so that that idea of being like being open and allowing other people to see us right yes exactly or or even i mean for me i think i'm a little bit i'm i'm a little bit outgoing i'm less concerned about people seeing me than i i think for me it's just like oh i'll have to I'll have to see you and know, know, you know, help you. Like, I don't want to listen to your problems because then I'll have to, you know, then all my weeknights and weekends will be taken up with. And that's like the, the more I read Jesus, it's like, wow, that's the complete opposite perspective. But I think, I think that those two sides sort of fit most men in the church where, where it's like, well, I'm kind of good by myself. Um, and I, I don't really need much. And the other side is, uh, well, I, I kind of need other people, but I really don't want to let them know that. Right. Yes. So what, was there a point for you where you're like, okay, I, I realize that I need other people. What was that? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I can't keep this too brief. I have to don't give you a little bit of background on it. It's, uh, you know, I had, I had, uh, become aware i'll just call it that of Mm -hmm. christianity and what it required and i had actually graduated life recovery ministries and stayed on for an extra three years as an intern um during which i I got married and um 
I, I would call myself a Christian back then. Yeah. Um, but what the common theme of my life back then was everything looked great. Mm-hmm. Everything, like Jesus said, was was painted white, but inside was dead man's bones. Mm. And um, I never got past any of the shame that I had developed over the years of addiction, over the people that I hurt. Um, I still kept secrets. I was still sneaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would lie. Um, it was almost as I would live live a double life, calling myself Christian. And yeah. again, I found myself in the same trap as my addiction. And at that point, you you weren't sure that there was actually anything else to Christianity. Exactly. Right? You you have no idea if, is this how everybody feels that calls himself a Christian? Yeah. That's okay. what I thought. That's what I thought. I mean, it, and and uh, I really didn't, didn't like the guy looking back at me in the mirror mm-hmm. in the mornings, you know? I really did not. And so what was that what was that point when you're like when it changed? Well, so after the three year internship I actually went back to work um out in the world. Mm-hmm. I I had kind of uh given up on staying here to pursue anything else other than, you know, I went through the internship. We were newly married and uh I, so I went out to work in the world for a little while and I did pretty good for a while. I mean, according to the, the world standard, but I ended up relapsing mm. in my addiction, um, newly married and while working. Yeah. And it was a, a year long downward spiral that left my wife broken hearted left. I was again in full fledged addiction. I totaled a truck. I, mm. I was again lying and stealing and cheating and, um, you know, hurting the ones that I loved and the ones who were really trying to love me. And it was through that process, through that uh, turmoil that um, Pastor Steve actually, he he lifted me up and he said, I'm, you're not going to walk through this alone and neither is your wife. And he's like, and if you want to win your wife back, if you want to win our trust back, this is how you're going to do it. And I realized right then that the absolute dependency on people and the absolute de- um, living your life out in the open was a necessity. Um, I didn't consider it a global thing then. It was just for me at that one yeah. moment. And I knew that this was how I was going to be free from the, the things that I that afflicted me, which was self-hate and mm-hmm. all the all the everything that rolls downhill from there. Yeah, yeah. You know, the right. addiction, everything, so... So you, I heard you spoke the speak the other day and you talked about the word accountability. Oh yeah. And, uh, and, and as you're talking, I, I feel like accountability kind of goes hand in hand with discipleship, right? But, um, what role did accountability play in like, obviously now you're a pastor. Now you, you've yeah. got a, we heard your wife last week on the show. She's amazing, and and she's in love with you, and you've yeah, got a beautiful great. little little girl, right? And yeah. So, obviously, this accountability thing, or or whatever you did, has worked for you, right? Yeah. And so, what was the that process? What was the next step in that accountability process with Steve and the other guys? Okay, so well, Steve really he really put me through the ringer. You know, um, it was this was no joke. There was uh, I had really hurt some people and 
there was so much shame involved in my life, you know, and not just, and not just from that moment, not just from those few months from being here at the church, but also years before, Mm -hmm. you know, since I was a young kid and, um, I was able, I got clean again. My, uh, you know, our, our, I actually put myself through life recovery ministries for one more year, you know, Ilico and I, uh, moved back in with her and, but the, there was one underlying common theme was that I still couldn't look myself in the eye. Mm-hmm. And, um, there, Derek, um, yeah. Derek had just recently come and he had started meeting with Nick, um, just as buddies, just kind of on the side thing. They shared a lot in common. They were, they were really easy friends and they started this thing with each other that, grew into accountability Mm -hmm. and i knew i knew nick for a few years even before all this and i knew the guy that he was and i started seeing the change in him that just by being with Derek and just by living his life a little bit more open um i saw the change in him that i wanted and it took me a while to jump on that boat it really did but i really got tired of hating the guy that looked back at me in the mirror yeah, I got tired of of uh, wearing shame every day, or um, for for growing a quick temper at my wife when we would fight, or um, I mean, there the list was long. Yeah, you name it. Right? The list was long. There were so many reasons that I couldn't look in the mirror, or that I was mad at myself, or and hated myself. And uh, I actually approached Derek um, one night, and by by this time he is working with, I think. I'd say four guys, maybe maybe one or two mm-hmm. more or less. I can't remember, but I actually approached him and said, "Hey, look, I see what's going on, and I want to get on this boat." Yeah. Now, so when I hear accountability, and I think most guys are with me. It's like uh, it's like a dirty word in Christianity. Like you're just like, oh man, it is, it is. Like I just, you know, I don't want anything to do with that. I know, I already know what it's all about. It's. Uh, it's like a web browser filter on my computer or it's uh you know all these all these things that like most people i think just hear about accountability and they think well pick your thing and then and then you know make just go talk about it with a friend and yeah i remember in college like i tried it we tried to have like uh that was when accountability buddies was the thing right like pick your accountability buddy and and it was like toothless, right? You just hang out. It's like, well, I did this thing. I messed up again. Like, oh, me too. Well, we sort of feel bad with each other for a minute, and then we'll go, you know, play frisbee golf or something and try to take our minds off it. Yeah. It's like zero impact on on your future success. Yeah. Right. And I I kind of think that's what a lot of people, especially men, think of when they think of accountability. So I don't know. Can you set the record straight? What does it What does it mean? Like in that process, what or what do you mean when you say accountability? Okay. Um, well, what I mean is, and what I really didn't mean then, but um, what I mean now is, is absolutely living my life in the light. And by doing so with um, at least one, but I have actually a couple guys that I, I'm, I've lived in my life in the light with. Yeah. And what that meant for me was actually, exposing everything that put shame on me Mm. the things that i was most ashamed of the things that i had done that no one knew about the secrets that i was keeping even hidden even that day yeah 
even that day. And so I could pick many things and say, hey, this is why I need accountability. But the, the main underlying goal for me was I don't even know how to be a good guy. Because as, as a kid, I've, I didn't want to grow up and be a cheat, yeah, an addict, a bad husband, mm-hmm. you know, or a guy that has to, that needs recovery in a program. I didn't want any of that. Yeah. I wanted to be a good guy. And I didn't, I didn't even at the age of, uh, what was I? I was 32 at the age of 32. Didn't even know how to do that. Mm. And so my accountability was like, these are the, this is me. This is what makes me the guy that I hate. And it, and it was, it was a list pages and pages long. And so my absolute cry for accountability was how can I be a good guy? Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to. It felt like I didn't even know how to tie my shoes right. Yeah. I didn't know how to walk. Yeah, it sounds uh it sounds like a surgery almost. Like Oh uh, yeah. You know, like uh without anesthesia. You ever get like an ingrown oh man, ingrown toenail or something? That's like, No, I've heard of them, but Oh man. I used to get those. I played tennis and something about running back and forth side to side. Oh yeah. On uh, on tennis court playing like 6 days a week. And I was just getting bad. And every single step was like, it was like just, I, if if anybody has n- like had that happen to them, they know just like something, somebody's driving a, yeah. a like a push pin in, in your foot. And, uh, and yet trying to deal with it is even more painful. So you just go with that, that every step sucks. Yeah. Every step Absolutely. hurts. Right. And it's this tiny little thing. Um, and I, yeah, so I don't know. I don't want to take that disgusting analogy too far, but yeah. it sounds like what you had to do was a little bit of surgery. But it wasn't. It wasn't just a one-time thing, right? No, no. And and one thing that I need to be real clear on is that it was it was absolutely my choice. Mm-hmm. No one, no one was. Uh, everyone would encourage it, right? Yeah. Hey, this is looks like a good thing. This could be a really good thing, especially for men. Um. But it had it was ultimately my choice. I think the first part of that surgery was actually stepping out and uh, risk opening my life up to mm-hmm. another man who had done nothing to make me not trust him, but who I didn't trust. Yeah, and in fact, I didn't even like the guy mm-hmm. really. I didn't, but I, I the, the fruit was undeniable. So the first part of that surgery was actually just saying hey i'm making this choice here and i'm giving you so much ammunition <laughs> yeah. over me yeah to where if you wanted to turn this around on me you could destroy me mm-hmm. and that was that was probably the first part of that surgery and it was the most painful and um i don't even the only thing i remember out of that whole conversation really was just telling him this is me and what he said back to me was we can work with that. Hmm. And that was pretty much it. Yeah. And it wasn't just a one and done thing. It was, I realized that it was going to be an everyday thing. And, uh, there was, you know, there was something, there were some things asked of me by Derek, you know, Hey, I want you to check in with me every day. You know, I really want you to focus on these certain things that are bringing you shame every day. Yeah. And, and I still hadn't even told him all the whole truth. Yeah. You know, I let him in just a little bit, which, according to me today, that it's not even accountability. It's yeah. just you know, it's uh, testing the waters. That's what I was doing. Yeah. 
Yep, dip your toe in. But it became an everyday thing. Uh, everyday text or call or, you know, around this community, we see each other a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm much more comfortable even just speaking in person, even being yeah. an introvert. I'm much more one-on-one. I like to just be like, hey. And uh, for the first, well, for a long time, it, it was. it was. I was just picking and choosing what I wanted to be accountable about. I was having to make the calls and say, hey, man, I failed at this again. Mm-hmm. And, um, just a little bit further down the line, I, I couldn't even tell you years or days or anything like that. I, I remember waking up one morning and, and I realized that I'm just done with this. Yeah. Not done with accountability, but I'm, I'm just done with messing up. Yeah. I'm done with having to make that call and say, Hey man, I failed at this again mm-hmm. because I, I had pretty much accepted that I was a failure at it. And now all, all I was doing was just get my get my weekly checkup yeah hey i failed at this again hey i'm still got a cough Mm -hmm. you know can you give me a little medicine give me a little advice or put a little truth in my life that to make me feel better until my next mess up right and i've become so again i was so sick of what i was becoming out of it and i it it wasn't accountability and then i I made the choice where it's just uh, this is it i'm going for it you know the in accountability for us it was a lot of the truth is spoken over us a lot of the truth of the bible um a lot of the truth of who we're supposed to be as men as husbands as protectors as people who father and people who know how to be sons yeah and um i decided that that was the truth in my life and i think from that day on i've never looked back have i had hard days very much very many hard days but I decided that those phone calls of me not doing it fully or not giving a hundred percent were over. Yeah. And I haven't looked back since. Yeah. It's, um, it seems like something that listeners will be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's a great idea. Mm. But putting it into practice, right? Yeah. That's tough. Um, I want to go to something you, you said, and I took notes last time you spoke at church because, like I said, you speak softly, but you you carry a lot of weight. And so when when you talk, people listen. And I was I was taking notes, and you said something. Uh, you you have a little bit of a limp. You walk with a little yeah, bit I of do. a limp. Yeah. And uh, I, when I first met you, I thought it was just like that's like your strut or something. Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> and then I get to know you, and it's like no, no one doesn't strut. But you you told a story about somebody noticing that limp. Yeah. So hit me with that one. Yeah, okay. So um, I was actually walking with a friend's uh, wife. Um, we had just done some work over at their house, poured some concrete at a new house they built. And I was walking back to my truck, and uh, we were just, I don't even know what we were chatting about, probably the new house. And she said, hey, I see you're walking, you're limping a little. And she's a, she's a nurse, so, yeah. you know, she's, she's, she's got that about her you know mm-hmm. and, i'm married to one of those so, and it, yeah. but it really got it really struck me as odd because i've there's not a whole lot of people that have said that to me and what it made me realize is that i don't even realize it mm-hmm. i didn't even realize that i was limping yeah and the accident that caused the limp was in 2003 and also you know a few surgeries later over the years that have made it a little worse but um, it got me thinking about how I, I didn't even know it took someone else to point it out yeah. to make, to help me realize 
you know what? I do walk with a limp because if you if I look at the bottom of my boots after a, you know yeah. eight months of wearing them every day, um, one wears out a lot faster than the other, and that's because I'm off a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm walking a little off. Yeah. You know, I'm dragging the foot or whatever. I don't even know what it is. I couldn't even put my my foot on it. But, but you don't notice it until somebody points it out. Exactly. And and you probably like the and not all analogies break down somewhere, but it's it's one of those things where you you kind of just get used to it, right? Yeah. And uh and the idea of you're you're not even sure what the idea of not walking with a limp would be. Yeah, right? no. This was life. It was yeah, it was that's the way it was. And I think so the reason that struck me so well is because I, I'm always thinking about, so I, I, I didn't exactly grow up in Christianity, but I, I've been a Christian for now more than half of my life. And I think about, there's so many people that I've ran in, run across, um, and myself, I've been one of them where it's like, is this it for Christianity? Uh, like at that point where, um, where you were saying like, I would have called myself a Christian, but I just thought this is how, you know, maybe yeah. everybody else is, is dealing with this same stuff too. And we're just sort of faking it till we make it, um, to paraphrase you, but, yeah, um, you know, but really we're inside walking with a limp. And I think a lot of us, especially in the North American church have just accepted that, like, well, this is as fast as I go. This is as, as easy as it gets to, like this, maybe this limp is the abundant life for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe. And, uh, and yet there's so much more that Jesus has for us. Um, we're, but we're not going to find it by ourselves just sitting in the woods. Right. Like, yeah. And so I don't know that, 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 I don't know. It just stuck out to me. You also said, um, before this whole process, you sort of treated, church and and we go to church quite a bit around here yeah, we got yeah we got wednesday nights uh so today's a wednesday we'll be going to church tonight and uh, we got sundays with with steve or jordy and then we got we got uh friday mornings oh, for, yeah, you know a little a little shot of of uh, a little teaching and some worship there before we go through the rest of our day so we get it a lot yeah um but you had said you know, a lot of people in christianity treat church going to church as as a car wash yeah and I, i'm not talking about the whole body of christ church like big c church but just going to a church service um as like that's that's all of christianity and it's just sort of a place to go to get clean yeah whether that's from something big like an addiction to you know you fill in the blank yeah so okay. tell me a little bit about your your that analogy i guess well it was very very much uh along the lines with what i was saying about my accountability i just got tired of being that guy who needed to make that call every Mm -hmm. week you know and and it as far as my relationship with jesus um it was i was very hindered very hindered in, in an open vulnerable relationship with jesus because i had refused to be vulnerable with the men right in front of me yeah and um I very much, I very much treated the cross. I treated that altar. I treated every church service as, as a, my ceremonial cleansing. Mm-hmm. It was time for me to to get on my knees and apologize for messing up again, or for thinking this way again, or, um, well, go down the list. Yeah. And well, and it, it wasn't just you. It wasn't like you were going through your week saying, 
oh, it's all good because Sunday's coming. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't that, right? No, no, no. It was all like, oh, this just happened to be like something I was powerless against, and yeah, and now I'm here back at church. Yeah, it it, it was very much that. It was it very much felt like a powerlessness. Um, you know, I knew that. Um, once again, I'm at church. You know, and if I'm reading right, I know Jesus forgives, and it was, it was a very. I, I would call it a very lonely spot mm-hmm. in my life. And back to the, back to the limp thing is, um, is when accountability started in my life, it was in it, very simply put, it was me asking for help to stand up straight yeah. and to walk straight. And so part of that surgery that we had talked about earlier was, uh, another man, not only, you know, helping me, you know, mm-hmm. helping me stand up straight, but yeah. it was another man calling me on my, on my junk. Yeah. And that was, that was part of the surgery. That was, yeah, guys don't like that, right? Yeah. There was no anesthesia in that either because there was a lot of stuff on my plate that, that, uh, that when it went added up, it was hard. It was very hard to even call myself a Christian. And mm-hmm. when you have another guy put it in your face, like you need to look, you need to look at this. Why, why are you acting like this? You're, or you're a, you're a boy in man's skin, mm-hmm. you know, and telling you things like this. Um, it was very tough. Yeah. And, and instead of going to that car wash to where it was just me saying, sorry, it was, I, I was going to choose to look at these things. I was going to choose to, to do what I had to do to, to correct my walk, but I, I could never do it alone. Mm-hmm. And, and that was my everyday choice was to involve one man, well, actually it was two men, it was Steve and Derek at the time, but also it became more as I grew in friendship, you know, mm-hmm. and to allow them into my life and say, hey man, I'm, I struggle with this. And even to this day, I mean, even something last week where it's like I had to say, hey man, I'm struggling with this. Mm-hmm. Can you help me with this? Yeah. Or, hey man, this is, this is a problem in my life and I just want to make you aware of it. Yeah. And this is how I'm going about taking care of it. But I just wanted to let you in. Yeah. So if you see me walking with a limp, I'm going to need you to come up beside mm-hmm. me. I need you to come up beside me help me walk straight. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, bringing it back to me, I've been here, I guess, like a year and a half. And uh, so I, the first first time I we drove in, we, we pulled in with, had a Subaru at the time, and I had my mountain bike on the roof. And, and Johnny, who's been on the podcast before, who he hits the trails with us. He came and was like, oh, cool, you got a mountain bike. He was so excited. Um, it was actually a year from that point for me to actually go out riding with any of you guys. Yeah. It took me It took me that long. There's no problems with my bike. I mean, Johnny got his stolen out front of his house. Yeah. But, you know, um, it was funny. It's actually been only in the past month, six weeks, that I've actually started uh, treating the, the men around here as like people to do life with and it's it's actually been it's it's been six weeks but it's been really transformational for me um coming in from a place where i just i don't know i had all these other ideas of what accountability and discipleship were um these buzzwords that sort of lose their meaning in christianity yeah, as you, absolutely. you know in the north american churches said so absolutely. often and they it's like they don't have a definition anymore and, uh, and so I, th- I thought I was, I thought I was doing all those things. Right. Um, but really for me, it was, 
it was that that like okay well i'll dip my toe in right i'll dip my toe into mm. these relationships a little bit but um it's always easy like when you have two kids and and now three kids for me to just be like oh well i'm too busy yeah uh, or um i got you know i've got this other thing or i don't want to leave my wife home with the kids and my wife's like i actually want you to go out and hang out with the guys yeah like, i want you to go you know go mountain biking and and whatever it is right like go play frisbee golf because she realizes that that when i'm with other men right that's when and other men that are worth following um that's that's what accountability and discipleship are really for yes it's not just this week like well i'm gonna just share my shame with a, a friend and we'll both sort of you know pat yeah. each other on the back right like i think that's why men just get sick of the thought yeah and that's like that's almost in its sense that's the car wash yeah you know yeah and i i think i think what you're saying is really good um because two two guys sitting across from each other right now with very different pasts yeah very different upbringings but here we are in the same place and both realizing that that being around uh, people group that are holding each other up and supporting each other in accountability is it actually brings life. Yeah. Where, um, it's, it's one guy saying to the other, I'm not going to let you settle for a second. Mm -hmm. And when I see you limping, I'm going to hold you up straight. And, yeah. and that, that was account. That's what accountability became to me in a nutshell. And that also, also out of accountability is, has birthed, uh, true, actual, true friendship in the in the whole sense of the word, where it's like I have several people that know me, mm -hmm. and they know the things that I've done in the past, and I'm not judged for it. And it's really helped in Christianity because the ultimate goal of accountability among Christian men is right standing. Yeah, with the Lord. Is, yeah, absolutely. If we're not going after righteousness and holiness and this accountability, then we're just trying to become good men. Mm -hmm. And there's books for that, and I'm, you could find it on YouTube. Yeah. And but living your life in the light, um, you know, as Jesus was in the light, and just not only confessing to one another, but also sharing in the the, the richness of every victory mm -hmm. or the 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 pain and every loss with each other and and actually being the men of the church the yeah. protectors because our our children your three my one um all the the men who are accountable or are growing in accountability our our wives our uh brothers and sisters who may not even know the lord mm -hmm. absolutely and don't even know it depend on on what we do yeah, they depend on us living in the light, to not walk around in shame, and to be able to 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 teach them well, and and to also push push them towards the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's uh, that's a really good teaser for this men's conference coming up. Oh yeah. So if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I wish they just keep talking. I kind of feel like that too. But we we got to wrap it up. But if, if you're thinking along those lines, then uh, I'll, I'll be putting the information in the, uh, in the show notes at the bottom of this episode so you can click on the link to the Jesus Man Conference, get signed up. You're going to hear Nolan, you're going to hear Nick, you're going to hear Derek, and a few other people. 
Jordy and Steve, they're going to be there. Uh, and the thing that stands out to me is there's a lot of places you can hear a, a lot of talk about accountability and, and how to be a, a man after Jesus in a lot of places. But this is this is a place where you can actually see people who are doing it. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's like bottom line. That's one of the things. One of the reasons I'm here is because I came here, paid a visit, and uh, I saw I saw that, and uh, and my limp became pretty pretty pronounced compared <laughs> to the the folks that were walking walking straight and getting each other to help them out. So. Thanks for sharing with us. Yeah, Look absolutely. forward to hearing you speak at the conference. And um, yeah, we'll have you again sometime. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, Nolan. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for the show this week, but what a show it was. If you enjoyed that, why don't you take a second to rate or review The Uncommon Truth on your podcast provider? If you use Apple Podcasts or Google Play Podcasts or Spotify, any of those, just leave us a rating or review that spikes us up the charts and lets more people get in contact with us and interact with our message about the church the way Jesus meant it to be. If today's show struck a chord with you and you'd like to learn more, you can go over to JesusManConference.com or you can go through the the Father's House website at ChangeOrville.org and learn how you can get involved with the Jesus Man Conference. The dates for that conference, it's March 24th through 26th here in 2020, and there is still space available for that. If you can't make it and want to check out some of the other stuff we do around here, I will throw the YouTube channel and the social media accounts and our websites, as well as my email in the show notes where you can send me an email if you've got any questions or you want to let me know about a show topic that you'd like to hear. I've also gone ahead and thrown up a link to Nolan's testimony on YouTube, uh, telling about his journey through Life Recovery Ministries and how Jesus saved him from a life of addiction and shame. And until next time, this is Max and this has been The Uncommon Truth. Thanks for listening.